0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. Go ahead, you can have a seat. We're just so glad to be back. Pam and I celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary last weekend. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. We sat sick the entire time. So she's still not well. She's not here this morning, but... It was, um, it was still good. It not a bad kind of sick. Just, you know, coughing, that kind of thing. And, um, but it, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Good. Well, that's what marriage is, right? <laughs> times of wellness, times of sickness, times up, times down. And, but it, it's all good. Just be faithful like God's faithful to us, Right. And to, to continue to love one another. That's what's so important. At the end of the day, it's all about whether we love one another. Amen. But it's so good to be back with all of you. Um, glad to be able to call this church home. Pam and I were in the church of someone that's be, past. become a dear friend. We both served on the faith advisory council for Heidi Ganala. that was running for governor. And, and um, they've just been such an encouragement. We met each other by surprise and um, they're always in the newspaper. So you can imagine why there was some common ground, all right? But um, they, they are just uh, really living for the Lord and as Pastor Mike Polhemus, I hope you get to meet him sometime. But we just had a great time of fellowship and it's just so good to be, to be home we are um, looking at the book of First Peter and what we're looking at is a man who went from obscurity right to being a simple follower of Jesus said yeah i'll follow you Jesus and and then coming into destiny of an apostle it's all of our journey not that we're called to be apostles but just that being just one of the multitudes but then finding who we are when we met Jesus and then following him and what our values are and then coming into his calling upon our lives. And it's, it's just wonderful. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Peter 2, 1. It says this, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander And like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Let's pray for a moment. I thank you, Lord, for the word of God, and I thank you for the power of the word. And I pray we just open up our hearts to you, Lord God. We submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to the word that by it we would grow in our salvation. Thank you for the word of the Lord today, God. Thank you that it can make us what we can never make of ourselves. And so, Lord God, we receive the word of the Lord. We receive the Holy Spirit today to instruct us, to remind us of the areas, Lord God, coming into the fullness of Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. I love looking at 1 Peter. There were a lot of reasons why I chose it primarily because I felt like the holy spirit said teach on first peter but we're looking at believers as we have mentioned every week it's so important to keep this perspective they did this one simple thing they said we believe in jesus that he died for our sins that one confession changed everything for them in relationship to god but it also changed everything in their relationship to the world they were living in jerusalem they were pretty much living in a peaceful area. You know, you you could make a living, you could own a home, you could raise your kids and all those kind of things, but then something happened. They said, I believe in Jesus. When they said that they believed in Jesus, well, first one of their own, a deacon, not the pastor. A deacon was martyred, Stephen, he was stoned. And then it says at that point in Acts chapter eight, A great persecution was released against the believers in the town of Jerusalem. So imagine what that was like. And here they are losing livelihoods, losing homes, losing friendships, connection, family. Everything had been turned upside down. Now you would think that once you had paid such a price, right, that some kind of divine power would sweep in and let you live faultless from then on. Here's the reality. It is possible to step out and stand up for what you believe in, but the process was so damaging to your own soul that you ended up in a really bad place and you lost everything, but you also lost your mission and why you took a stand in the first place. So this comes with a warning for all of us of things that we have to guard ourselves with. Now, last time, two weeks ago, I talked about four invincible perspectives that you have, that mindsets that are necessary to to rise above every situation. I'll briefly remind ourselves of those four things. Now we're going to look at today, five things to get rid of. All right, you're thinking, oh, sounds like Will pick me up, right? Glad I'm here today. But it's just like anything, isn't it? When it comes to food, you have to choose the good, you have to resist the bad. When it comes to relationships, certain relationships you can allow into your life, and there's certain ones that you need to keep in their proper place. It's just the reality. If you want to be successful, you have to look at what you're taking in, doing right, you also have to resist the things that aren't good for you. So this is still a positive message in fight of the fact that saying there's five things you need to get rid of because they're all working towards the same good. So let's look at the, the invincible perspectives that help you to be strong. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, just very quickly, he says, remember the one that you call father and that he's an impartial judge. So in order for them to be able to rise above and to continue to remain strong is they had a huge injustice happen to them. All they said was they believed in Jesus and the people who said they don't believe in Jesus caused them to lose their lives, their homes, their livelihoods, caused them to lose everything. And so then one thing that, a mindset that helps you to be invincible is to just say, but I call the impartial judge my father. In other words, When all is said and done, no one's gotten away with anything. Not that we go around just saying, oh God, you're you're just and I hope that you torch him. No, he's not talking about that. He's just saying that that what keeps you grounded is knowing each and every one of us are going to stand before God. And when we stand before God, the one who's on the throne of God, we're going to call Father. How amazing is that? So then the second thing that we have to understand as far as an invincible perspective is that we were redeemed with the blood of Christ. And and I just want us to remind ourselves that no matter what price you're paid, do never, 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 never doubt the love of God for you because he shed his own blood for your forgiveness. So that when you're tempted sometimes, why am I losing everything? Why am I in this test? Why, oh no, Uh, I, I must have positioned myself in such a way that God, I'm not on his side anymore and he's not advocating for me. And, and the Apostle Peter say, hey, you wanna remain invincible? You gotta constantly remind yourself the price that was paid and how important you are to God. Amen. It's a really amazing thing. Then he says, the next thing that you need to know in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, is that you have a family to love now. It says, since you have purified your souls in obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brothers and sisters, fervently love one another from the heart. That's so good right there, because, right, these people had lost family. How many of you just, hey, we, we live in such a polarized world right now, that we're watching grandparents be separating from grandchildren. We're watching husbands being separated from wives. We're, we're watching office spaces being divided just because <laughs> of your worldview or your position. And, and, and during all that, how, how do you remain invincible? Is just to remind yourself, when you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, you did get a family. It might not be the family that birthed you but still you have someone to love. And the Bible says this, is that remain fervent in their love. So that's why it's so important. You know, I think that part of the strategies of the enemy in the last two years was to divide us and to keep us from gathering together. That's all he wanted to do because the Bible says remain fervent in your love for one another. And you know what? Consumer-driven church merely just says this, I can go online and I can get a church service, but you can't love online. That's the bottom line. And so the thing is, is that we need to see each other, man. Amen. When we, you know, people say, oh, I just pray you get a big hug from God. You want a hug from God? Get a hug from a brother or sister in Christ. That's how you get a hug from God. Amen. And then the final thing he says is that just to remind yourself in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, that your salvation is rooted in, in a seed that will not perish, and it's according to the promise of the word of God. In other words, this is what it's saying is that when you take a biblical position, you have positioned yourself eternally. You have positioned yourself to endure. Yes. Everything is so trendy right now, right? And, and we have, we've got, you know, it seems like nowadays is that it's more truthful if you're rich. It's more truthful if you're beautiful. It's more, it's more truthful if you're You're athletic, it's more, and we have all these stars in our culture and whatever they say, everybody runs towards and yet here we have the abiding word of God, man. And so some people are actually making decisions about their values and how they're going to live based upon the fleeting opinions of human beings. And the truth is this, is that what he says in Peter here is, remind yourself who people are. They're like a blade of grass. If it comes up out of the ground, it might get a flower on it. Right, might look pretty for a moment, but then it dies, and then it fades, and then it's gone. Yes. And and Peter's just saying, you know what? You all paid a huge price. Maybe the world doesn't consider you the beautiful people, the intellectual people, whatever, whatever. Try to label they plant on you. And, and you know what? The word of God has survived the test of time, man. Amen. Begins the narrative six thousand years ago. Yes. Right. So just remember that the word of the Lord abides forever. It endures forever. And you were saved by the word of God. you've, You've got longevity and endurance in you, which helps us to get to what we're looking at today because the word of God is meant to play such an important role in our lives. So talking about invincible mindsets that we need to have, let's talk about some of the things that can ensnare us. Some of the... Some of the most desperate Christian situations I've ever seen were people who really stepped out believing and got devastated. Mm -hmm. And the last state was worse than their first. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so important for us to remember here. So here's what he says, and, and just bear with me. We're going to look at five things to get rid of. So the first thing that he says in the scripture that we just read, he says, rid yourself of all malice. Rid yourself of malice. Do not allow malice to be in your heart. Now, here's what is malice, right? I think we have a feeling for what it might be. But malice is when anger gets roots into the core of who we are. Anger can turn to malice if anger is not dealt with. So let, let's think about this malice thing. Malice is when, when anger, and, and think about how anger happens. If you look at all the times that you got angry, it's because you felt as though you were given, uh, you were dealt unjustly. You didn't find justice. I deserved this, and I got this, right? And whenever we feel as though that what we got, we didn't deserve, then we get angry. That's the response. Now, I just wanna say this. There's a place for feeling that way. Here's the truth. If you, are, if you never get angry, you do not have a godly mindset. You cannot be a godly Christian and never get angry because there's way too much injustice in the world. And when you see an injustice, the righteousness of God in you ought to rise up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. So that if you look at our culture where the unborn don't have a voice anymore, mm-hmm. there's, there's a place for anger in that. Mm-hmm. But anger cannot get into malice because mm-hmm. anger can get so deeply rooted inside of your life that it begins to affect every part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's become malice. So what happens is, is that anger can get to the point where you almost feel as though this is intolerable for me. I can't take it anymore. And it builds up inside of us to where that it actually begins to invade everything about who we are and our identity. We become known, when you become known as an angry person, that's when malice has taken over our hearts. And so as we think about that, there are so many places where God's meant to be in who you are, but undealt with anger and malice cannot share space with Jesus. They can't. You cannot be controlled. The the Bible says the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. You cannot be doing God's work if the driving, you can feel angry, but the driving energy behind what you're doing cannot be anger. The driving energy must be the Holy Spirit. It can never be the anger. Mm -hmm. Because that point, it's malice. Talking about places where only the Lord belongs. Did you know that the Lord belongs in your dream life? The Holy Spirit belongs there. Dreams are an amazing way by which your mind and your spirit process things that happen throughout the day. You're figuring things out. But the Bible is very specifically about the day of the Holy Spirit. It says your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Dreams. The Spirit of God will fall on your sons and on your daughters. Did you know that your dream life belongs to the Lord? How important that is, because that's the place where your subconscious, which is the deep inner part of who you are, is processing things out, and it's figuring out what your values are. Your dream life belongs to the Lord. It's His. It's meant to be His domain. But when anger, undealt with, internalizes, it will actually replace the role that the Lord is meant to have in your dream life where you will be driven by feelings of anger and frustration. So that if you don't deal with it, by the end of the day, Jesus said, forgive that person that offended you 70 times seven. And that's a day, right? Forgive, deal with that feeling every single day because here's what the scripture says. Be angry, but don't sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. At the end of the day, every feeling of anger and injustice has to be laid down before you enter into that subconscious realm of your dream life where you're processing and figuring things out and setting the course for the next day, that belongs to the Lord because you can, throughout the day, if you've been terribly offended and experienced an injustice, if you don't deal with it every day, you're going to find out that when you are dreaming, you can control it during the day, but you have to master it every day. You can't just like rain a little bit of anger in. You can't go to bed with a little bit of anger because a little bit of anger when you fall asleep becomes a whole lot of anger and it turns into malice. You can't afford any of it. You have to lay it down. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Because during the day, you might be battling it all day long, like a good Christian. Oh, I'm a good Christian. And I'm forgiving them all day long. And you're just going through that process. I'm laying it down and and whatever it might be. But if it's not completely dealt with, you will dream and your mind will go to places where it shouldn't go. And then you will wake up in the state of malice, and in that state of malice, you can sometimes wake up furious. Have you ever awakened in the middle of the night furious? You know why? Because before you fell asleep, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. It's all got, every day, you gotta lay it down. You gotta lay down every day's offense at the end of the day. You can't let it brood. Because anger undealt with becomes malice, which is a root of anger getting deep down inside of your soul and it begins to change who you are. There are some people that you meet and you met them years ago and they were amazing. They were amazing Christians and now you meet them and what do you meet? You meet this angry person. They're just angry. And every, when when anger is malice, when the words come out of their mouth, you're like, ooh, it's almost like you can smell it in the air. I smell offense, I smell anger whenever I'm with them. They can be doing something good, but malice is deep rooted. So get right every day. Isn't it amazing that people who were followers of Jesus and experienced huge injustice where they had every right to be angry that people took everything that they had just because they said, your worldview is not as valuable as my worldview. And yet the apostle Peter is letting them know you could have paid a huge price. And if you can't forgive, it's gonna destroy everything. Just because you paid the price doesn't mean the the battle's over. Now you're wrestling for your own soul too while you're wrestling for the world. But so anger comes when you feel like there's an injustice. I was up here, noble, awesome, wonderful, minding my own business. I should have expected that What I put out, I should have received. And yet we see ourselves, this was me. This is what happens when we get angry. This was me. We rehearse the story. Whenever I rehearse the story, when I got offended, it's amazing how wonderful I was when I rehearse it. And this was them, right? And you know what the Bible calls that? Warns us about it. He calls it boasting. See, the thing about coming to the Lord's Supper here today is it's an equalizer. We all needed the blood of Jesus. But when we get offended, I was up here and they were down here. And so that injustice comes to anger, unresolved anger becomes malice, results in boasting where we continually see ourselves That's what a victim mindset is. I am this, but I got this. So the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, listen to this, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? He said, don't you know that when you see yourself like this and they're like this, it's like that anger, that injustice will inject like leaven and and it will begin to invade the whole lump of dough. Unresolved anger will begin to change your personality, it'll change your thought life, it'll change your words, it'll change your joy status, it will change your relationships. Boasting, I'm this, they were this, I've experienced an injustice will end up invading like yeast in a lump of dough it will invade everything about who we are. He said, it's not good. That's, that's, can you get any simpler than that? Your boasting is not good. It will be a little leaven. Sometimes the smallest, I, when I look back over my life, the moments I got the maddest was over the dumbest little thing. Like someone will do this, Huge thing, huge thing, huge thing. And then they do something little. And then that's when I like, "rah!" And they're looking at you and you're, they're thinking like, that was such a little thing. You're such a, whatever. And then, but the Bible just says, that's the little bit of leaven. The devil's not going to get you with the big thing. It'll probably just be one, that's what we call the straw that broke the camel's back. It's a tiny little straw, right? But it says a little leaven will end up invading the whole lump. So here's these people, right? Giving up houses, giving up land, giving up livelihoods, all these horrible things happening to them. And then the word of the Lord is just saying, but it's that little straw that broke the camel's back could actually get into your heart and it could leaven the whole lump of who you are. So he goes on to say this. This is why communion is so important what we do when we come together. He says, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let's celebrate the feast not with old leaven nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the oven, unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So he's just saying this. Remember that when you took communion, it is the celebration of the Passover. And the Passover would not have um, leavened bread. In other words, what is leavened bread? Leavened bread is something external has been injected into the nature of the bread and it altered it completely. And the Lord is saying this, that when you come together and you come to the Lord's table, make sure that you have not been injected by anything that's external that is influencing everything who you are. That's why when you come together, you forgive one another. He says, when you come together and you eat the love feast, make sure you come together with sincerity. What does sincerity look like? Sincerity does not boast. It doesn't say, I'm up here and they were down there. If you come sincerely to the Lord's table, you come humbly to the Lord's table. You come individually as the chiefest of sinners like the Apostle Paul did and just say, I need a savior. He says, don't come to the Lord's table. When you eat that bread and you notice that it's not full of yeast and it's not nice and soft and fluffy or or whatever it is, the Lord says, when you come, prepare your heart and just be sincere and have a truthful perspective about who you are and who you would be without the Lord. So he says, get rid of that malice, get rid of that boasting. Um, Because ultimately, if you look in the scriptures, every time it mentions malice, it ties it to wickedness. In other words, unresolved anger always results in bad, wicked choices. So, Then he says, rid yourself of all deceit. And you're going to see the progression here. It's really kind of amazing. Because if you don't deal with that anger, I was treated so unjustly, I was up here and they were down here. The Apostle Peter says, okay, you know what's going to happen if you don't deal with that? Um, You'll begin to deceive yourself. Everything about your identity is, I'm up here and the whole world is down here. You develop a victim mentality. You're, you're just, you begin to deceive yourself. You begin to think here that you're better than you are. Now, you might say, oh, Jim, that's really hard to say. But the Bible says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But be sober about it. See, whenever, we're, whenever anger gets rooted inside of my heart towards someone, I become blind to myself and I become focused on them. As soon as I stop reflecting on who Christ has called me to be, I, am, I have stepped into self-deception. Another word for this word deceit is the word we find in the scriptures that is called guile. And that's where no one can really trust the words that come out of our, our mouths. And that we can begin to use words to manipulate other people. Because what happened to us before, we are bound and determined. It's never going to happen to us again. We will never be a victim. But so what do we use as a strategy? We decide that we're going to manipulate people's emotions and their, their will towards us and all these kind of things because deceitful words are coming out of our mouths because we have deceived ourselves We don't want that to happen to us. When we feel wronged, what can happen is we begin to justify wronging others. We develop mindsets like it's every man for himself. That's deceit, that's guile. We begin to harm the reputation of others because we feel as though they misrepresented us, so I'm gonna misrepresent them. We stop being careful. We stop being careful with our words. We start exaggerating. We tell the story of when we got offended. It was a true story. You really were offended and there was an injustice. But you know what begins to happen? We begin to tweak it. Story gets better and better and better and better. And you know what that is? It's deceit. We're deceiving other people. So we tell them, oh, this is how I acted. We leave out the bad stuff, but this is how I acted. And this is how they acted. And we leave out the good stuff about how they acted. And so we have to be so careful about that. And when you have stepped out for the Lord and gotten hurt, you will end up hurting yourself more if you don't deal with this stuff than that person hurt you. When Jesus saw a man, and his name was Nathaniel, and Jesus was going to choose him to be a disciple, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming and they had never met before. And he said concerning Nathaniel, Here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. What you saw is what you got. And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus says that. His virtue of being without guile and not deceiving others would cause him to see that the heavens would be opened up over him. It would release the blessing of God in him. So the third thing he said to get rid of is get rid of hypocrisies. He didn't say get rid of hypocrisy. He said get rid of hypocrisies. Because we think hypocrisy is a singular word. We think it's whenever you are not consistent between your Christian confession and who you actually are. And that is hypocrisy. And it's included in this. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about people that had lost everything and that were being martyred and all that kind of stuff. He's talking about hypocrisies. In other words... Once you haven't dealt with anger and it turns into malice and then you begin to deceive yourself, he says the next thing that begins to happen is another strategy that you can step into and your strategy is hypocrisies. In other words, what I'm showing people is not really who I am. Now, this is not just talking about spiritual hypocrisy. It's talking about what you're showing as far as your marriage is, the truth of the matter is, your marriage isn't that. You come to church and everything looks good. Now listen, I husbands and wives we protect each other. I'm not saying that we don't expose each other's faults and flaws, but I'm talking about living in hypocrisies. Is that what we project is not reality? You can be the same thing. You come to church as dad, and that dad, you know, you're amazing dad at the games, and you're amazing dad at church, and you're amazing dad in all these different areas. But at home, you're a terror. The bottom line is this, those are hypocrisies. After you've suffered so much loss, there's a temptation to not lose anymore. And so then what do you do? You present and project something that's just not real. It becomes a deceit. And it comes out of that unresolved anger. Jesus is saying this, and it's just beautiful, really. I love the thought in this context Matthew 5:33 again you've heard that the ancients were told you shall not Make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, take no oath at all, neither by heaven, for it is the throne of God, nor by the earth, it is a footstool of his feet, nor by Jerusalem, for it is a city of the great king. Nor shall you take an oath by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. But make sure your statement is yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil origin. You see what Jesus is just saying? If you said yes, it should be a yes. If you said no, it should be a no. Mm -hmm. Be a man or a woman of your word. See, the reason how some people that were started out really good and then ended up being deceitful, like a godly Christian businessman, he got burned so many times, he begins to play with that thing of his yes being his yes and his no being his no. Why? I've been burned. This is how the game works. Those all step into hypocrisies. If we find ourselves saying, no, I promise you, I'm going to make this happen. Jesus is saying, that shouldn't carry any more weight than you just saying, I'm going to make this happen. Or when we say, this is the honest truth. Jesus is just saying, you shouldn't have to say that and when you get to the point where you have to say something like that he said the origin of that speech is evil so then he said the fourth thing is you have to rid yourself of envy and when you're envious you begin to grieve at the good and the welfare goodness i'm sorry of the good and the welfare of another at their abilities their prosperity their fame their successful labors can you believe this that some people, Christians, had to be warned. You confess that you believe in Jesus and you lost everything that you had. But then you became envious of what everybody else had. You forgot why you stepped out and did what you did in the first place. Have you ever been in a season in your life where you paid a price to follow the Lord? But then you found yourself grumbling at the price you had to pay. That's envy. That's wishing that you had the results of other people who weren't willing to confess Christ or to do the right thing. And the Lord is saying, never be envious of that. But don't you see how easy it would be, even for the best and well intentioned individual, to become envious? of a situation like that. Then the fifth thing he says to get rid of, and this is the final thing to get rid of, rid yourselves of slander. And that's when we take other people's reputation away. We cast shade on each other. We defame people, we tear them down, we backbite. We lost so much, the best way to win is just to tear down others. I'm up here, they were down there, and then we, that just turns into slander. I cannot imagine that you'd have to warn martyrs to guard their hearts. And yet in some ways, I can completely understand. There's not anything in this process that I've not had to work through over the last couple of years. Nothing, there's nothing. You, there's nothing in that I confess to you today that I do not have to be conscious of to make sure that I'm right before the Lord you can do everything right but in the end because you didn't guard your heart you could lose everything not just the stuff which you lost because you said I'm going to take a stand but you can lose who you are and how your faith. So to wrap this up, he says, respond in the opposite. He said, desire the sincere milk of the word of God like a newborn baby. The apostle Paul said this we're not like many, he's talking about ministers, we're not like many peddling the word of God. But as, from inser- but as from sincerity, as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. He's just, he's just saying to us, bring it all back down to the simplicity. Just come back to being a simple follower of Christ. He said desire the word of the Lord. I talked about the the realm of your dreams belongs to the Lord. The activity of the word of God inside your life is that which replaces the negative things that are happening in this world. And you might say to me, but Pastor Jim, I read the Bible and there's so much I don't understand, but you know what the Lord said? Receive it like a newborn baby so that you might grow in the area of your salvation. Truth is this, a newborn has zero understanding of milk. He doesn't even know why he wants it. Doesn't have to understand it to grow but it will shape and form your world. And the more you read, the more you'll understand, the more you'll know. And even then, the Lord says, but keep it simple. Keep it really simple. Don't start peddling the word of God. Don't start like, yap, 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 yap. Bible says this, Bible says that, Bible. Nothing wrong with that, I'm just saying, you can start peddling in it, but not sincerely following it. And so what he's saying to us, he didn't even say, Desire the milk of the Word of God like a baby. Because that would be like a six-month-old. But a six-month-old can start getting obnoxious about milk time, right? <laughs> the Lord says, don't be obnoxious. Be like a newborn baby. Just take it for what it is. Come before the Word of God in sincerity. Let it shape your personality. Let the Word... Don't have the leaven of this world injected into you. Let the Word of God shape your personality. Let the Word of God shape your joy. Let the Word of God shape your relationships. Let the Word of God shape your values. Malice will infiltrate the whole being, but so will the Word of God. Get rid of malice and anger. The effects of the outside world injecting its, it operates in anger. It injects its anger in you, and the Bible just says, and there's one way to get over it. Receive the Word of God. It will cause you to grow according to your salvation, the word of the Lord says. And just like a child, a newborn baby cannot receive milk without intimacy. The Lord is just telling us in the reading of the word of God, just receive Jesus. Don't peddle in it, don't impress Don't try to figure everything out. I'm not, listen, you're supposed to study the word of God. We are called to understand it. But the bottom line is this, is that you can know all this stuff. You can have lost everything for the sake of the word of God and yet lose sincerity and closeness to Jesus, the source. So when we read the word of God, let's remind ourselves, the Bible says that Jesus is called the word When you read the word, don't read it to get smarter. Don't read it to get better. Don't read it to win an argument. Read it to meet Jesus, right? Read it to meet Jesus. Let's all stand up. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord today. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us get rid of those mindsets and things of the world that are like leaven and yeast that invades a whole lump. And I pray, Lord God, that you would teach us sincerity. I pray, Lord God, that we would love our enemies. Bless those that curse us. And pray for those who use us despitefully. Your word is so true, Lord. Help me. Help us all, God. In an angry world, let us be light. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed just want to create an opportunity here today maybe there's someone and you've never met jesus christ as your personal lord and savior coming coming here won't change you hearing a sermon won't change you you can get baptized every day it'll never change you the only thing that'll change is jesus christ himself The only thing that will remove fear and shame is Jesus. The only one who paid it all for you to be right with God is Jesus Christ. The only one who knows you best also loved you the most. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're here today, the Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Choose this day whom you will serve. Who will you serve today? You serve Jesus by giving him your heart. I want to invite you today to come to him in in the way that everyone has come to him. We come to him as sinners in need of a Savior, in need of forgiveness, in need of the power of sin broken over our lives. He will take you just as you are. You don't have to clean up to come to Him. Come to Him. He'll clean you up. If you need Jesus Christ as your Savior today, your heart's letting you know that because the Holy Spirit is calling you. If you've never met Jesus as your Savior today, everything can change. We had someone respond in the first service today. You can respond as well. I'm going to ask you to do two things today. It's not a formula. Just some people say, I don't know how to get there. I just want to help lead you there. I'm going to ask you if you want to be included in the closing prayer, just to lift up your hand and saying, Pastor Jim, I'm including myself in this prayer, giving my heart to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the earth to find those whose hearts are positioned right before him. If you pray to receive Jesus as your Savior, you're positioning yourself and you will receive the salvation of the Lord. And then if you raise your hand, we're all going to pray together repeat a prayer together for you and then after we pray I'm gonna invite you to come forward here step out of your seat and come forward here in the front you don't have to do anything you don't have to say anything don't worry about that you don't have to do anything but the Lord Jesus said this if you confess me before men I'll confess you before the father if you deny me before men I'll deny you before the father making that public confession of Christ is part of the walk so if you're here today and saying, Pastor Jim, I need Jesus as my Savior, would you just lift up your hand? Just saying, I want to receive Him today. God bless you right there. Amen. I see you. And you know what I knew today? I knew today. It was spoken to my heart, even when I was speaking with my body Anyone else want to join this individual? Just saying, I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus today. Today's my day. Today's my day. For this one who raised your hand, let's repeat this prayer together. God in heaven, you made me. You've always loved me. I come to you today in need of a Savior come as a sinner needing grace Lord Jesus come into my heart save me wash my sins away forgive me break the power of sin I declare on this day and from now on Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior and as he lives in me, I will live for him. Help me, Lord. Thank you for promising me the gift of eternal life in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on. Phil, you can come up sir. Susan, why not you come on up? Come on. I don't know why. We'll make it a party. Thank you. I'm serious. I didn't know. When I started the altar call, I just knew. Father, we just thank you. May we receive. receive the gift of salvation we receive this sister in christ would you stretch your hands towards her father we just pray lord let this day be the day of the release of the blessing of god the desires of her heart and more importantly the desires of your heart fulfilled in her pray heavenly father let her life bring mm-hmm. forth 30 60 100 fold pray Lord Jesus seal this decision in her heart today we just speak over her and we say never again never again never again you'll never be the same again and we thank you for it Lord Jesus bind her heart to you Lord. bind her heart to you thank you Lord we just bless you and we thank you Lord for this day we get to talk, okay? Good. Can I pray a blessing over all of you? Lord, let the blessing... The blessing of the presence of the Lord be with you all. Just be the salt of the earth the light of the world. Let the glory of the Lord appear upon you in the dark world. Let the light of Christ rise upon you. I just pray spirit of wisdom, direction, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord rest upon you and be with you. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. Bless each household. Bless the roof over their heads, substance of their lives. And I pray, Lord God, that you would bless them and their heritage from generation to generation. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. There'll be folks here in the front if you need prayer for anything. Please come on up and let them pray for you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website or your favorite podcast platform. Just look for Sermon of the Week, Cornerstone Christian Center. If you would like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.